Hello, listener. Welcome. This is Storytime with Dave. This is a little different, what we're going to do right now. It's an idea that I've had for a while and I've actually tried. Now, at this point, on multiple occasions to record, I recorded two of these episodes. It's going to be called Writer's Workshop. I'll explain the idea behind it. I've already tried to record two and they just didn't come out as good as I wanted them to. I think because like usually when I do this, there's no preparation. I just start recording and then whatever is on my mind, that's what comes out. These, I want them to be a little, a little thought out. Like here I have some notes and this set one is going to be about storytelling. That is because I was requested. It was great timing because this has been going on for the past like week and a half where I've been trying to make these episodes. And then um, a friend of mine, Nick Johnson, who's a comedian, he asked me to do a podcast where I talk about storytelling and some of the stuff that I, I do. And I hadn't thought about storytelling very much. But I think um, I have some ideas. Plus, it, it, it coincides with some of the stuff I've been, like, you know, looking at and reading. You know, I will tell you, one thing that you could do just right off the bat, there's a book called Consider This by Chuck Palahniuk. Chuck Palahniuk, I think I had mentioned this on a different episode, but he's the guy who wrote uh, Fight Club among you know plenty of other books, but clearly his most famous is Fight Club because of they made a great movie out of it. So um, you can get that book. I mean, it's probably like eight bucks, 10 bucks, or you can get the audio book. I've been listening to the audio book. Um, and then the other thing, so he, he talks a lot about storytelling and he's talking about, he talks about narratives. He's talking less about um, comedy and more about just uh, making stories, like writing a book, but it's still just as applicable because if you're a good comic, then you're a good writer. You know, I mean, there's very few comics who aren't, it's so, it's like 1% of comics are good comics, but they don't really write. Most of us are, you know, if we're if we're any good, then we're good at writing, because you have to be. Um, so anyway, these episodes I wanted to start making because, like, you you should never take a comedy class, okay? Never ever. I don't know if you were considering. I know a lot of you don't do comedy who listen. But maybe you'll find this stuff interesting. I kind of want to like, you know, get really, get really into the specifics of like what makes things funny or what makes a story good or what makes a joke good and really analyze it. It's, it's a lot of it is for my own benefit because when I do an analysis like this and I'll be focusing on like my own stuff and perhaps other material that's more that's that's like you know from famous comics and stuff like that but I'm just I'm best able to analyze my own stuff because I wrote it and I know what I was thinking when I did each thing and then usually these have been rewritten and rewritten over and over some of my more reliable jokes have been rewritten many times so I'm able to analyze those a lot more effectively and then I know I'm right you know, like I could, I could only speculate about someone else's work. Anyway, you should never take a comedy class because a lot of them are overpriced. They're taught by people who probably don't have much business teaching a comedy class. And I'm not trying to talk shit because like, who am I? And here I am trying to teach about, you know, storytelling or writing jokes, that'll be in episodes that, that come in the future, Writer's Workshop episodes. If you see Writer's Workshop, that's what this is. But but I'm not charging you money. This is, a, this is a free podcast. And I'm not guaranteeing you accuracy in any of this. And then maybe I'll change my mind about things and figure new stuff out. And then, so yeah, it'll develop as my comedy develops and my writing develops, so will these episodes. But my goal is to make this practical because a lot of these, okay, the reason I say never take a comedy class is mostly because they're expensive and you won't get much out of it. But it's also because a lot of these people 
who are teaching the classes just give you very vague advice. I mean, nothing makes me more... That bothers me so much, it irritates me. I know that a lot of you feel the same way because I've talked to plenty of you about it. I mean, like, it's very frustrating getting useless, vague advice, you know? And someone's like, tell me about your writing process. And they're like, well, you got to be consistent. And you're like, okay, but what does that mean? Like, it's just not practical. What does be consistent mean? Because someone can interpret that as like, Oh, consistent? Okay, so I'll write five minutes a day. That's consistent. But maybe the person who told you was like, who said be consistent was like, obviously you need to write two hours a day. So, you know, it's just, it's too vague. It can be interpreted too many different ways. It's all that kind of stuff. They're like, go up there. I mean, a lot of it is with performance stuff too. These are going to be more about writing these episodes, not so much in performance. I mean, maybe... I'll touch on performative aspects, but this will be more about, this will be more writing focused. (sighs) But you know, like with the performative, it's even worse because people go, just be yourself up there. For some people, that would be terrible advice. For some people, they should not be themselves up there, you know? And, 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 uh, or they'll say like, just be confident, but it's like, what? That's not practical. I'm trying to, So I'm trying to make something here where at least there's a degree of practical advice and maybe some things that you can actually apply to your writing that might improve it, you know, or, or maybe, maybe you'll get nothing out of it, but hopefully it'll be at least a little interesting. So the first one, so I'll, I'll, I'll do these uh, every so often. Because, like I said, it'll make me realize things and help me out. And then hopefully I could just write better jokes off the bat before bringing them out on stage and stuff. That's kind of the idea. But it's also to, to be helpful. And because there's not too much out there. There's not too much out there. And then one more point before I get into the storytelling part. Sorry, Nick. Sorry to keep you waiting. But one more point. There's not nearly as much out there as you would expect when it comes to comedy and like the actual craft and the behind the scenes stuff. And when you get really down into the weeds with it, there's not as much as you would think. Now, sometimes you'll listen to a Joe Rogan episode and he has a a comedian on and then they kind of get into it. But it seems like it's only ever for like 10, 15 minutes. And then they just take a, a wild left turn into talking about monkeys or UFC or something that Joe always talks about. So it's, it's like you gotta, you don't want to have to sit through three hours with this comedian to get to that 15 minutes. It's sometimes just like, sometimes I'll have a comedian on that I like, and then I'll listen and it like an hour and a half will go by and they haven't even brought up comedy. And I'm like, you're both comedians. Could you please talk about comedy, please? You know, and there are some good podcasts, um, there's um good ones podcast with jesse david fox it's like he's a vulture editor or something that magazine but he's not a comedian so you'd like you'd prefer for the person to be asking the questions to be a comedian as well those could be really interesting some of those episodes are very good so you should look into that there's also one called let's talk about sets and that is also pretty solid. Some episodes better than others. Some comedians are just better at articulating this stuff than others. One episode that I would highly recommend from Let's Talk About Sets is uh, Mark Norman's episode. He's very good at talking about this. Um, and then a lot of the stuff when you YouTube comedy advice, a lot of it is garbage. The kind of vague garbage that I'm alluding to with the comedy classes. And a lot of them try to make things more simple than they actually are. And they'll be able, maybe these guys will be able to teach you. I mean, go on YouTube right now, type in comedy advice, and you'll see what I'm talking about. A lot of these guys, they're older guys. They can teach you how to write a joke like on a late night show, like a joke for Jimmy Fallon, a joke that Jimmy Fallon would tell in the opening monologue. They'll be able to teach you a joke like that, but they would never be able to teach you a joke that people would remember. And people will be like, you remember that joke about so-and-so? Because those jokes are so much bigger and more complex. And that's another pet peeve, too, when you have these guys 
and they're on the YouTube video and they're like, what it comes down to is this. Every single joke is, is, is like, the, it's, it's more simple than it seems. All jokes have the same essence. It's setup, perspective, punchline. They always say that and it's just not true. Like, I just don't find that true. I think that's a severe oversimplification. And I'm not saying that this shit is rocket science, but that's just not, you just can't break every joke down into that the way that they would like to, especially stories are completely different. And stories are so valuable in comedy because a lot of comedy is like, when it gets down to it, it's like killing, like when, when you're the comedian, a lot of the times it's killing time on stage but getting the laughs still, you know, I mean, it's always entertaining. It's always making people laugh. Sometimes it's killing time straight up. Sometimes you got to do 20 minutes and you're not exactly sure how you got to fill the time. But sometimes you stumble across an eight minute story. The likelihood that you're going to get a joke that's eight minutes long. And I mean, I guess we can get into the difference between a joke and a story. And then sometimes they're the same, but, but we'll do that at a different time. The likelihood that you're going to get a joke that's that long is is way less likely than a story. Because if you have a story, you know, they're always longer than jokes. I find like on average, a lot of my jokes are about two to three minutes. and But a lot of my stories are like seven minutes, ten minutes. So they're very valuable. And they're also really engaging. And audiences love stories, especially if you have a quiet audience in, you know... If you just have quiet and you have attention, a story is just great. And like some of my some of my biggest like my my best jokes that have really powerful ending finishing punchlines are are stories and it's only possible because of the tension that you can build throughout a story and uh the audience just gets really engaged with them. So anyway, yeah, that's what I wanted to say about that. A lot of the YouTube videos suck and the classes are usually terrible. So that's why I want to do these. So let's get into storytelling. Let's do it. Okay, so um, let's get into it now. I'm going to be pausing and then referring to these notes and then trying to collect my thoughts so that I can make this concise and, and clear and say what I want to say. I'm going to start with what I think I made a list of about about 10 things here. But this first one is, I think, the best one because it's the most practical piece of advice and it really works and I do it a lot. And so I think it's super useful. So you can reveal the conclusion of the story at the beginning of the story. But obviously you're going to have to judge whether or not that's going to be the right move, like depending on the story. So I'll give you an example. One of my favorite stories that I have and it's pretty much my closer because the punchline of this story gets probably the biggest laughs I get. It's, it's way up there. It's one of my best. And uh, it's a story about a time I got banned from an open mic. At Montclair State University, I got banned from an open mic. But that's how I start the story, okay? You know, like when, when, I, uh, when I'm on stage and I'm telling it to an audience, I, I have been doing a thing, well, whatever, like, you know, I've been doing this thing recently where I like ask the crowd what they want to hear. So I have things prepared and I'll go like, do you guys want to hear a joke? You want to hear a story? And then if they say story, I'm like, okay, you want to hear the story about this, this or this, right? So, but in that way, so I'll be like, do you guys want to hear the story about the time I got banned from an open mic? They know the conclusion of the story. Like that's the conclusion of the story before the story has begun. In that story, I can totally reveal that I got banned from the open mic because the funny part isn't me getting banned from the open mic. The funny part is how it happened, right? So there's no, it doesn't spoil anything. In fact, it, it builds intrigue because if I just told it as a regular story, you might lose, it's possible that, that people might lose interest somewhere along the way. When I give them the ending of the story, it hopefully, and it usually works, but it hopefully creates like some intrigue with the audience. They go, oh, you got banned from an open mic. I'd like to hear how this happened, you know? And so I do this with a lot of my jokes, like a different one. Like I got, I mean, a lot of my like jokes just happen to be about getting banned. I don't know. I get banned from things, but a different one is about getting banned from uh, Venmo. 
So same thing. I just go, you know, if someone brings up Venmo, perhaps I can go, oh my God, you know, I got banned from Venmo. And then they're like, wow, really? And I'm like, oh, let me tell you the story, right? It's the same with Twitter. I got banned from Twitter, right? So, but all of these things, the same thing is true with all three of those stories. Not sim- not only the fact that I was banned, but also the fact that if I want to tell any of those stories, I can reveal from the beginning that, that, that I can reveal the ending at the beginning and it doesn't ruin the story. In fact, it probably helps retain attention, especially when things start to get a little wacky within the story and then people go, well, how did that? So there, it's twofold. Things could get a little like go a little haywire and then, and then people go, how did this result in a banning? Or, or with them knowing what happened, it heightens the tension of things as they happen within the story, if that makes sense. So if I tell the story about getting banned from an open mic, they know I got banned. Then when I'm going through the story and I'm telling them some of the jokes that I was telling and, and that they're bad, and then the reactions from the crowd, they can start to see, it starts to crystallize. Oh, that's how he got banned. That's what he did. And then the reason that the punchline really hits too in that one is because right before the end of the joke, I say that I got off stage and the host had a word with me, but she doesn't ban me right there. It's because something that I say, which turns out to be the final punchline within our conversation, it's like as bad as it was when I was on stage and the jokes that I said, and the horrified reaction of the audience. As bad as all of that was, it didn't get me banned. So then when that happens, right at right before the ending, there's still that mystery where they're like, but he's not banned yet. I thought he got banned. So that didn't get him banned. So what did he do? And then when I say what I said to the what I said to the host who was pissed at me, what I said in response to her being pissed at me, that's what got me banned. That makes it hit harder, right? So there you go. Practical piece of advice for storytelling. If you can, if it suits the story, if it doesn't ruin the story, totally reveal the ending before you start, especially if it's interesting, you know, like, I don't know, it could go for so many things, but especially if it's interesting and especially if there's built in mystery behind it, like maybe one time you broke your dick, right? You guys, you guys want to hear the story of the time I broke my dick. Boom. So much mystery. People are very interested, you know? So there's, there's plenty of things. But there you go. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. Highly recommend. Okay, so the next thing is kind of like two or three things put together because they all play off one another. So... This is a little more abstract than I'd like it to be. I'd like for all of this to be as practical as possible, but some of it I can't exactly figure out a way to make it non-abstract, but at least I'll hopefully be able to give examples and stuff to make it more clear. And I think it when I'm doing the joke episodes, it will I'll be able to make it less abstract and more practical, but with storytelling, it's a little different. Um, but okay, so you you... Like I want something that I've noticed with stories that I have and I'm most of my jokes, maybe not most, but I, a substantial amount of what I do on stage is storytelling. It's, it's lots of stories, some jokes, some stories. It's kind of, it's a, it's a mix, but there's plenty of stories. I really, I love telling stories, but something that I've noticed where I'll have these stories that usually do well, but then sometimes they don't do well. And then when I try to pinpoint, like, what was the difference? What did I do differently that made it not work? Nine times out of 10, it's because I'm not excited telling the story. Like, you want to be telling the story, and there's different ways that you can go about building the excitement, because sometimes you're a little sick of it, you're a little over it. But one thing that you can remember, because you want to be telling the story like you're telling it for the first time, like it just happened, and you can't wait to tell someone about it. You're like, holy shit, you got to hear about this. Like the first, you know, like some crazy shit just happened, and it's like the first friend that you see, you're going to waste no time. You're getting right into it. You're like, yo, check this out. This is what just happened. 
you want to be able to, you know, even if you have to feign that excitement and fake it, you want to be able to provide that excitement because that's going to keep people engaged with the story. A lot of the, like, like there's so many positives to storytelling, but one of the negatives, one of the major negatives or, or the risks is that if you lose interest somewhere within the story and people become disengaged with the story, it's just going to, it's going to kill the rest of it for them. Because if they, if they miss out on some crucial information in the middle of the story, then they're just not going to be able to find the ending funny. And then they're going to be laughing maybe because other people are laughing, but they're not really going to give it the response that you want. So you want to keep them engaged. Always keep them engaged. One of the best ways to do that is just by being excited. One of the things that I've noticed is that I'm able to be more excited for certain stories than I am over other stories. And one thing that most of the stories have in common that I can really stay excited for over time, over a long period of time, is that they're at least built in reality, that they at least come from a place of something that happened. Some of them 100% actually did happen, and it's all true. I have a couple of these stories where I literally changed nothing. And this will feed into another thing that I'll get to right after this. But some of these stories happened for real. The ones that actually happen, I'm always happy to tell and I'm able to tell them in an excited way because it, it for real happened. Oh, what I was going to say real quick about being able to stay excited, maybe psych yourself out, something that I, I'll try to tell myself at least at a show. Like if you're in an open mic and you're doing, you're going to do the same story in front of the same comedians again, yeah, you're not going to get excited probably. I mean, maybe you can, but it's going to be hard. And like, why are you doing that? Come on. If it's good, just save it for a, just save it for an actual audience. If you are telling the comedians for the first time, it, it shouldn't be too hard for you to have the excitement because here you are sharing something new and it'll be fun for everyone. But one of the things that I try to think about is that like, just tell, you know, just remind yourself that if you're at a show, you've never seen any of these people before. These people have, are strangers. They've never heard this story, you know, and then you might have that that voice in your head that's incorrect that's like oh you tell this story all the time you know but it's like to these people it's like you're telling it for the first time so as far as these people are concerned this is the first time you're telling the story so just believe them you know what i'm saying like just just believe them just t follow their lead you know like so in this way it'll be a mutual right so you can tell the story as though it's brand new as though it just happened and then that's how they'll take it. So they'll they'll so that from that perspective, it'll be easy to build and maintain excitement as you're telling the story. Um, so anyway, you're gonna wanna if you can like at least build from reality. So the jokes that I have where they actually happened, then those are very easy for me to be excited about because I'm like, yeah, this shit is crazy, you know. And even still. Even still, um, that also makes it easier too because sometimes I will tell the joke so many times, a story that really happened that I start to tell it like it's a story that I made up. You know what I'm like? I, I, I say it so many times that it, it becomes too rehearsed and I start to say it as though it's a joke that I wrote when in reality it is something that did happen. But that's fixable because what I'll do is I kind of like I'll try to like kind of again see this is like too abstract for what I'd like but just bear with me let's try to make this work but I'll kind of try to like you know scrub scrub it clean just kind of uh separate myself a little bit from what the bit has become like the story has manifested itself into this thing that is now your joke that you do all the time. And I try to kind of, if I can, just like cut that out and then get back to what actually happened and try to recall what actually happened, the story again. See, even if it is something, even if I don't really change anything within the story, there are still parts that I add to... Like, there's a story that I have, um, I mean, like, the, the getting banned from the Montclair mic. I tell that exactly how it is. 
but I'm still also narrating a story. So it's like, there's a part of it where I tell the joke that I told this abortion joke and I told the joke. And so I, when I'm recalling the story, when I'm telling the story to an audience about what happened when I got banned from this mic, I tell them the exact abortion joke that I told. And then I get the reaction from the crowd for them to be like, oh, and then they starts to click with them why I got banned from this mic. But then also I'm doing the narrative aspect of the story. And so I'm saying to them what took place in the room after I said that joke, dead silence. I had a room full of spoken word poets who wanted to kill me. So those things, those are added into the story, you know, or, or, or the bit, I guess. What I choose to describe, how I choose to describe it, those get added into the bit. So after a while, it could become a situation where things become too rehearsed and you're thinking about it too much like a bit. At that point, I like to just try to fully remember, just like, you know, literally just focus and remember what actually happened and then and then bring that out. And it can it can manifest itself in a in a new way, in a different way. The story's still the same. The, it, the, the course of events is still going to be the same, but maybe the way the joke comes out will be slightly different or perhaps different in a major way. Maybe you'll be able to discover a new, um, you know, pocket within that joke where you can get a lot of laughs, a new aspect of the joke where you didn't realize that you could go there and you could expand on that. So, yeah, that's what I would say. You want to build from like make the joke as real as possible because then when you got to invoke the excitement it'll be easier because you're telling a true story you're not telling just some shit that you made up and because there will be that emotional attachment to what actually took place and what actually happened to you you know so and then even even you can it doesn't have to be totally true either and you can embellish where you need to embellish you'll still you'll still be able to i think retain you know some of that excitement when you need to call upon it but at least build from a place from something true and it could even just be like the initial part of the story like there's a there's a joke that i have that's like a story about a time a guy was like whatever it's like my schmeckle joke where you know, there's this, like, I'm at Staples, and there's this Jew, and then there's this guy, and then I fucking spit venom at him. Whatever. It's not important. But the whole story is built upon one thing that happened to me. Like, one time I was at Staples, and there was a, there was a uh, Hasidic Jew at the register taking forever because he was trying to return something. But there was only one register open. And then there was a guy to my left, a big, scary guy who kind of leaned over and nudged me and pointed at the Hasidic Jew and said, I fucking hate those people, right? Like this guy did not realize that I was Jewish. So it was a super funny, well, initially it was very uncomfortable for me. But that was all that happened. Like that, that, that was all that happened. What I did later, I mean, what I did as soon as I got home was that I decided how it could have went. You know what I mean? which I eventually decided that the Hasidic Jew at the register, he knew me. And, and so he turned to me and he's like, David, is that you? And then I'm like, oh, sh no, Schmeckle, don't do it. And then the guy on my left starts to lose his shit. So I spit Jew venom in his eyes and then I run away with Schmeckle. That's how I decided to make the story go. And then this, this, this goes into something that uh, Chuck Palahniuk talks in the book, talks about in the book. He talks about a lot of um, stained glass windows. Okay, I know it's random, but he talks about he talks about how you can make something absurd or you can make something totally unbelievable, but still have people to an extent believe in it enough that they're emotionally engaged in it. And so, how far can you take things off the rails? And and how how can you effectively take things off the rails while still allowing people to be emotionally engaged in it? And he talks about, he uses as an example, a stained glass window where you see a lot of the design, 
you see a lot of these designs in stained glass windows, it starts with ordinary stuff at the bottom of the stained glass window, real things. Like, I forget what examples he uses, and I don't know. We're talking about stained glass windows in churches. I don't know shit about churches. I don't know shit about stained glass windows. But it starts with ordinary stuff at the bottom. Ordinary stuff, like a tree, or some plants, or some animals, some people. Ordinary things. As you get higher and higher um, in the stained glass windows, things become divine. And things become less real and more fantasy. But because you build from a base, that's his point. You build from a base of reality. And then as you build on it, things can become more absurd, less believable. But as long as you've created a base of reality, it's more likely that you'll be able to keep people engaged, especially on an emotional level, as though it's a true story. I've shared this story before really quick. But then I have this joke about, um, it's a Holocaust joke. And then within the joke, I say something completely absurd that, a like I say a part where I'm like, my grand I basically allude to my grandpa survived the Holocaust by sassing the guards. And uh, it's clearly not true. It's clearly not true. But I think possibly because I build up to that point from a base of reality that there have been times where the audience has applauded that. So not only, so they completely believed me to the extent that they were applauding the fact that my grandpa survived the Holocaust by sassing the guards. Completely untrue, completely made up. What I thought was obvious, I thought it was obvious that it was made up. But for some reason, for whatever reason, sometimes crowds will clap. But the point is this, that there's a degree of absurdity that you can get to while you still keep them engaged. And it's important that you build from reality if you want any shot of doing that. If you start from absurdity, it's going to be harder to do that because then right from the beginning they go, oh, he, this is a lie. But then if you allow, if you, if you reveal to them over time and as the absurdity levels increase then they'll probably stay on board and even if they don't some of them will get off board but they'll still think it's funny probably and they'll probably think this allows you also to let them feel like they're smart because they figured you out and then if it's like that that goes back to that goes to to like a a very base thing in terms of like being likable or being persuasive you know like you make people feel important. That's like, dude, fucking go read um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That's a fucking, that's a fucking gem. That applies to literally everything, including comedy. It applies to everything. But you make people feel important, they like you more. Well, that's a way too, in, in a weird way, if you, as you increase the absurdity and people start to figure you out that you're, you're fibbing and then they think they're smart. So in a weird way, you've, contributed to that them feeling important because they're feeling smart they're like oh i figured i figured you out and meanwhile sometimes you'll you'll end up with these situations where like half of the crowd has figured out that it's a joke and the other half of the crowd is still in in the is still in the mindset that you are not telling that you're not lying that you are that what you're saying is true so that's also just funny to witness it really is because i've seen it i've seen it many times it's pretty funny so that's why you're going to want to build from reality. So as you vamp up the absurdity, it's like at least you're coming from a place that, that was dead. Okay, so so we, we've said what we need to say there. Now, <clears throat> the next thing which uh, feeds into that building from reality is that, and then this one's also a little more abstract, but this is just something to be cognizant of in your day-to-day -day life that you should try to be aware enough to know when a story is happening. Like things will happen and this now happens to me and I'm very aware of it. And I go through life now being very aware of when a story could be happening. So just understand when something's happening. It's like what I said about the, the, the guy at the Staples and the Jewish guy at the register. 
Like as soon as that guy leaned over to me and said that shit, I was like, this is a story. That's why the next thing that I did, like as soon as I fucking left the Staples, you know, it wasn't, I didn't even get home. It was like the second I left the Staples, I took out my phone and I started writing down this story because you just got to be aware. Just try to start being aware of when a story is happening because there's another thing that you could do. And this is the next thing is that you could proactively try to make a story happen. Now, you're going to want to be careful with this one, okay? There's a disclaimer here. You know, don't try this at home. But there will be scenarios in which you can proactively make a story happen, you know? Because what I've found is that sometimes you can sit with a story and you can have a basis for a story. Maybe something little happened and you made a little fantasy in your head of what could have happened like what I did with the, the Jewish thing. But the pro, the only issue with that is that it sometimes becomes difficult. Like one of the hardest things in writing is to write dialogue, to write believable dialogue, something that could actually be conceived as real. It's very hard to do that. That's why authors who write good dialogue, like George R.R. R. Martin or Isaac Asimov, that's why they're so awesome to read, because they write such good dialogue. So... That's the thing. Sometimes when something is happening, and I find that lots of stories, you know, I'm not sure why this is, but lots of stories that I have that turn out to be the funniest stories involve something stressful happening and someone being irritated or multiple people being irritated. But <clears throat> that's why you got to be careful if you're going to, because what, what I'm telling you to do is to agitate a little bit in a responsible way, but I am telling you because they can do the work for you. They can write the dialogue for you because you could get what they actually said. If it's not satisfying, you can change it later. But usually I am telling you this from experience that usually what they will give you is quite satisfying. Okay. And it will work really well for the story. And then again, this factors back into the excitement and the building from reality. Like this really happened. So you're going to be able to do a very convincing job of retelling the story and you'll be able to say it in an excited way because it really happened and you can't believe it either. You know, like that's, oh, that's what's the best dog. I'm telling you, that's why I'm telling you all this stuff. So I know some of it's abstract, but I'm trying to put the pieces together now. I'm trying to put the pieces together. Here's an example. And this is a joke that I do a lot now. And it, it totally, this is one of my few stories. Well, maybe not few but lots of my stories have little embellishments throughout even, and then there's, there's just a, a few that are for real, all a hundred percent true. This story is a hundred percent true. And okay. And I'm, I'm going to use it as an example in one second. Oh, this brings me to my next point. <laughs> you, you gotta like, okay. So this is, I guess these two things make sense together, but you got to build tension throughout the story. That's so important. So it's like, what did I just do? I didn't mean to do it, but I, I, I really, I just built us up to like, oh, I'm going to tell us this joke as an example. I'm going to tell us this story. And then right as I'm about to tell it, I was like, wait, no, but I should do this first. Now that kind of tension building is a little like, there's not much to it. What I just did. I just told you I was going to say something and then changed my mind. And I'll tell you in a second, but it still does build tension. So I guess that's like not the best example, but you have to build tension. And then that's a way that I do it a lot in my, when I'm on stage, I, I play around with that a lot where, where I'll allude to something and then I'll delay, 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 delay before I get into it. And that can be tricky because I found that it works, but there is, the reason it's tricky is because I found that it works if you do it initially, it works and it's funny. And then if you do it for too long, it becomes unfunny and the audience get frustrated. And then if you do it for too, too long, it becomes funny again. So the, the tricky part is that if you do it a little bit, then it's fine. You sprinkle it in, nothing too crazy, just little tension builds and, and, then, and then release it and, and get to the point. But if you do it too long, then they become frustrated and if they get to the frustrated part, then you have to double down because you know you have to get back to the part where they like you and they're not frustrated. So you have to continue to delay. But all of this is just to build tension. And then when you, so it just, it's 
like the more tension you can build within a story, it's just going to make the end of the story that much better because you're going to, you're going to break all that tension throughout the story. You could break tension and then rebuild it. But breaking tension always produces a laugh, almost always produces a laugh. It's like a relief laughter or like a surprise laughter. But these always happen at tension breaking moments, right? Something you've built up and then you release. And then there's usually a laugh associated with it. So it's very useful. But the other thing that I was going to say, and this is why I'm, uh, this is the only reason why I'm delaying telling you uh, this example from the story is that you want to create mystery and then you could, you could potentially reveal it immediately or you can, or you can hold off and then reveal it later. But uh, this is just going to be another thing to keep the audience engaged and create intrigue is that you, you just, you drop some mystery throughout. I was talking to someone about this, like there's mystery books, you know what I mean? Like there's mystery, there's a mystery section, but any good book in, in most subgenres has elements of mystery. I always use Game of Thrones as an example because that's the only thing I've been reading for the past few months. But there's plenty of mystery that George R. R. Martin uses and then cliffhangers at the end of chapters and mystery, but it makes you want to keep reading. And it's not a mystery book, but there's plenty of mystery to it. A good joke, a good story on stage which I guess you can call a joke, whatever. It's, it, it's, kinda, it's somewhat interchangeable, but you want to have mystery throughout. And then you could reveal it or you could hold off on it. So to use the, just to one more time, use the example about the guy at the Staples that I usually will do a setup joke before I get into that story. And the setup joke is... Um, it's kind of hacky, but it, it, makes the, it makes the last punchline funnier. And it also creates mystery because I go, look, Jews, um, I don't know if it necessarily creates mystery or if it just works to tie the ends together. But regardless, I'll just tell you the example that I, I'll, I'll usually start by saying like, you know, Jews, we're just like you Gentiles. We're, you know, it's all similar. It's, I'm just like you. You know, I wake up in the morning. I put my pants on one leg at a time. I eat my cereal. You know, I apply makeup to my scales. You know, we're just like you, right? Okay, so there you go. Now I've introduced the idea, and I suppose maybe it's mystery. I don't know. That I might be, I might be stretching, but I have, I have implied that we are reptilian. You know, that we are reptiles because I apply makeup to my scales. The only reason I do that is so that at the end of the story, when I go, so I spit my Jew venom in his eyes. There's precedent for it, right? But that would be an example. If, if you're going to allow me to call it mystery, I hope you do. If you're going to allow me to call that mystery, that's an example of where I create some mystery and then I don't resolve it. I don't reveal the, I guess, like the utility or whatever. Like I don't reveal until the end, the very end of the story. But there's a different way. And now I'll tell you the example. And then this would be, um, this will be an example of where you can one, this, this will touch on three things on like being aware of when a story is happening and then proactively trying to make the story happen or to make it better. And then also create mystery and then reveal it quickly. And then also, I guess, building from reality, it, it checks all those boxes, but look, I won't tell you the whole, the whole thing, but like there was this lady and this all happened for real. And she pulled into the, I was at a uh, valet. I was doing valet. I was at work and she pulled into my parking lot, you know, where she's not supposed to park. It's valet only. So I went over to the car and you know, she's just giving me a hard time. She's giving me a hard time because she won't roll down the window. She's pretending that I'm not there. I'm like, God damn it, lady. I start knocking on the window, just being obnoxious, you know? And what really happened too, I took this part out just for, for time's sake. But what really happened is that she just left. Like she got fed up with me and she just left the establishment. And then 10 minutes later, she comes flying back in and goes and parks in the same spot. It was all the way at the back of the valet only parking lot. 
when half the parking lot was empty. So I didn't know why she parked all the way back there. But then I, I run back over to where she is. She's already getting out of the car. And I, when I ran to the back, I was like, hey, you, you still can't park here. And she just goes, she goes, whatever. I forget exactly what she said. She said something like, whatever. She goes, no, I'm parking here. Or maybe she said nothing. I think that she might have said nothing. But then this is what happened. This is where I'm going. You can proactively make a story happen. Because as this happened, and when I'm at Valet, I really am, I can't, I can't get fired. I can't get fired very easily at Valet. I have a lot of leeway. And so when things like this happen, I know that I could potentially turn it into a stand-up, a stand-up moment, you know, like a stand-up comedy moment. I can turn it into a story. So she started walking toward the establishment, which was about 200 feet away. So I just started walking next to her. And then I'm like, this is perfect. This lady's pissed off. Because like I said, you deal with someone irritated, you might get a good story out of it. Especially when there's juxtaposition, because I'm not bothered at all. At this point, I'm in comedy mode. You know, I'm like, how am I going to, what am I going to get out of this lady? Let's see what happens. Let's roll the dice. Let's see if I get something good. So we were walking next to each other and I'm thinking like, I want to say something to her that will produce a response that might be interesting, that I might be able to work with. So we're walking, there's plenty of time. And I go, what do you think? You're special. You know, this is dude, I'm telling you, this is a hundred percent true. I swear to you. And, and then, so she goes, she looked at me and I think this was the first time she spoke to me. I'm a little fuzzy on it, but she's like, what do you think you're special? And then I was like, what do you just repeat back what people say to you? Is that what you do? And then at this point, and this is where the story gets crazy. She, she turned to me. Oh, oh, really quick. Sorry. Sorry to do this again, but I just realized something too. When you, you can say things like that, you could drop little, little nuggets like that. Don't overdo it. And I might overdo it. So I might be being a hypocrite because I feel like I do that a lot. But you know how I said, like, she turned to me and this is where the story gets crazy, right? Throw in, you could throw in little stuff like that, especially if you're going to follow through on it. If you're not lying, you know, if you're going to follow through on it, you go and dude, and what happened next fucking blew my mind. Stuff like that. You, you could throw that stuff in too. Cause again, we're just, we're just, we're, we're going for engagement. We're trying to keep them engaged. We're trying to keep them engaged always. We don't want to lose them. So little things like that also could be very useful. And that's pretty practical. That advice right there. That's pretty practical. There's lots of different ways to say that too. So anyway, she turns to me at that point, And this is now I'm going to get to the mystery and the reveal part. I'm not even, I'm not going to tell the whole, the whole story. If you want to hear the story, fucking just come see me do comedy. I know you won't. You never do. Anyway, and then half of you already do know what happened because you've seen me do comedy. Anyway, she, she turned to me and she threw a crumpled up bill at me. Like, like I thought it was a dollar. She threw a crumpled up bill. And then I bend down to pick it up. Because, oh, and when she threw it at me, she goes, here, pick it up. And she throws it at me. And I forget exactly, I think I say crumpled up bill, but there, there you have small mystery, small, it's nothing crazy. People aren't that people aren't like, I gotta know what it was, but they are like, what was it? You know? So there you produce a question where they go, what did, what did she throw at you? A crumpled up bill? Like, what are you talking about? And then I go, you know, I picked up the bill. I'm expecting it to be a dollar. And then as I unravel it, I realize that it's $20, you know? So there you go. It's a quick, it's a very quick mystery and then reveal. But there is something there. I mean, there is like a degree of like the audience is like, holy shit, really? She threw it at you? Jesus. And then I pick it up and they're like, so there is a little bit of like, well, what was it? You know? Because if it was just a dollar... I mean, that changes the whole story. The fact that it's $20 makes it an entirely different story. But again, this all really happened. 
So that's one of my favorite stories because, and like I said, I'm not telling you the ending of it, but the ending is so good. But that's one of my favorite stories because everything happened. I didn't have to do any work. The only work I had to do was to recognize in the moment that this is a story. I'm in the midst of a story. I'm living it right now. This is a story. It's going to be in my act if I play this right. And then instigating that lady, not terribly so, but enough to build something out of it. And this is what I mean. Like, if I had written the joke, if I had just dealt with that lady and then decided to make everything up in my head instead of walking side by side with her and asking her if she thinks she's special, I probably could have thought of something kind of funny. But I would never have thought of something. I would never have imagined her crumpling up a $20 bill and throwing it at me. I would have never imagined that, you know, because then that, that adds to tags that I'm allowed to like that I could use too. I mean, like, cause she parked in the back. Like I mentioned, I kind of set that up when I'm telling the story, she parked in the back. So when I unravel the money, I'm like, you could have parked in the front. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like 20 bucks, you park wherever you want, bitch. But it was just so perfect because I didn't have to do any work. I did nothing. She did everything. Like I said, all I had to do was realize that a story was happening and just give her a little nudge in the right direction so that she could help me out. You know, she can help me make this happen. She can give me the dialogue. She can give me some of the actions. We're working together. We're making a joke. She doesn't know that. And she's pretty pissed. She's pretty irritated with me, but I'm having a blast and I'm making magic, right? So that's what it's about. That's what life is about. Cause life is just a joke. Remember? Um, okay. So that's going to be it for now. I will do more episodes on storytelling because there's so much there. And I'll, this was after a limited analysis of some of my stories and trying to find some trends. I have a few things on this list that I didn't get to, and then I'll get to them on the next storytelling episode. But for now, that's enough because I need to go to comedy right now. So Thanks for listening, as always. You know I love you. I hope some of this information was practical, and maybe you can use it to your, to your benefit. Okay, bye.